Well, I'm excited this morning because um, I feel like the message that I prepared for you guys has absolutely like just totally uh, changed my entire week. And I think it's indicative of the reality that if you really come to understand grace, it will transform your relationship with Jesus. It really will. Um, let me just start, start right here. If you have a hard time enjoying your relationship with God, it's because you don't understand grace. If you feel like your relationship with God is a struggle, it's because you're probably more aligned with religion than grace. Grace will allow you to really enjoy God. And this morning, it's impossible to talk about grace without ruffling your religious feathers. Because grace attacks religion. Grace confronts religion. And there's the truth that the longer you spend in your relationship with Jesus, the easier it becomes for you to fall back to religious relationship with God. And so I think we have a perfect audience to talk to about grace this morning. So what I want to do, probably not just this week, but for the next couple of weeks, maybe even into the end of June, I want to talk about what grace is. And I'm not just talking about any type of grace. I'm talking about New Testament, New Covenant, biblical, God-given Jesus grace. Say grace. grace. I got everybody this morning. Grace. And one of the reasons why I want to talk about this grace is because we live in a graceless culture. We're in a graceless time. Uh, how do we know that? Because we live in a cancel culture. Um, it's so easy to, uh, anybody uh, uh, familiar with the phrase, writing someone off? That's canceling somebody. Canceling is essentially the new terminology for writing someone off. We're done with you. Uh, maybe you've said, you know, of someone, they're dead to me. That's canceling someone. We live in a graceless culture that likes to cancel people. Now, I'm not saying that everyone that gets canceled isn't warranted or hasn't done something wrong or truly offensive, but what I'm saying is, is that everyone is at risk of being canceled. And here's why. Because if you say something offensive, whether it's true or not, if you ruffle enough feathers then you are at risk of getting your reputation or your name maligned and dragged or drugged through the dirt, whatever the past tense of drag is. Drug? <laughs> whatever, it doesn't matter. Don't cancel me because I got the verb tense wrong. But the whole point is, is it's, everyone is at risk of experiencing this in some scale. Thank God most of us in the room are not so popular that we can lose our absolute lives and livelihood because you get enough people behind of movement to lose your job so that you never ever get to work again. Thank God so much of many of us are not. Hey, guess what guys? Jesus got canceled. I mean, the perfect perfect 
son of God got canceled. So no one is at risk of not being offensive. And so our, our culture has a very limited understanding of what grace is. Uh, let me give you an example. Even in the Oxford Dictionary, this is the current Oxford Dictionary, there are five definitions. These are the top five de definitions of grace in the current dictionary. The first one is this, elegant movement. Allison and I have a running joke uh, that my daughter, whenever she jumps or dances the other day, I don't know who gave them to her, but someone gave her tap shoes. Whoever you are, don't let me know because I might cancel you. And so now she's trying to tap dance in the hall. Oh, it's my mom. <laughs> You're canceled. <laughs> my, my mom was like, She was looking like some of y'all the way you worship. Oh, don't cancel me. Just have a family meeting, turn the, turn the, turn the video off. <laughs> but she was tapping in the front in the driveway, and Allison and I were like, wow, that's grace. And it was the absolute opposite of grace. Elegant movement, grace is elegant movement. Have you ever seen someone dance with grace, like a ballerina or a figure skater with grace, watching, I'm just biased, but watching Michael Jordan play basketball was grace. I mean, he would just float. I mean, it was like, when someone has elegant move, it's like effortless. You know what I mean? Like, it's the difference between in and I dancing. Grace, no grace. Second definition is, um, this is an interesting one because it's actually an oxymoron. Second definition is demonstrating good behavior, which is actually the opposite of the grace of God, right? So if you've ever been in somewhere, maybe, uh, maybe I'm the only one, but you were in some sort of environment and uh, you were just doing something dumb. Like I used to go to uh, like Kmart or Walmart or wherever with my mom and I used to hide in the clothes racks and she would snatch me out, act like you've been somewhere before. You know what that phrase is? That's, you're not demonstrating grace in Kmart. It's good behavior. The grace of God is, that's such an ironic thing because what that tells us in our culture is you need to deserve grace. You need to earn it. Okay, the third one, if I can remember, the third one is, um, let me look at my notes real quick. The third one is a period of time past when your payment is due. Somebody should thank God for the grace period. Some of y'all are like, that's when I pay my bills. I love to lean on that grace. <laughs> I'm going to go all the way to the 15th day. Thank God for grace. That's a grace period, right? <laughs> well... Here's the fourth one. This is so funny. Um, a short prayer. If that's the definition of grace, I'm not going to point fingers, but some of y'all ain't got no grace. And you know you don't have any grace because you hit the long pause in the middle of the prayer when everyone thinks you're done, and you're like, 
And so, Lord, once again, and you're like, I thought it was over. How did you just revamp? Like, how'd you just ramp it rack up, back up? A short prayer. Last one, a title used to address royalty. I think we all know that, um, you know, in certain cultures, your grace would talk about royalty. But our, our culture has a limited understanding of grace, does it not? If this is what encompasses grace. But we know that with Jesus, there is a total transformation of the word grace. And this is the grace that uh, Peter, the, the disciple, the apostle Peter, in his own book, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he urges us, he encourages us, he, uh, he, he advises us, listen to this, let's say it all together, it's up on the screen, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Peter, he knew that personally. He had to grow in grace. I mean, the dude that rebukes Jesus needs to grow in grace. The, the guy who denies Jesus three times needs to grow in grace. Peter, I honestly think one of the reasons why he went back to fishing after he denied Jesus is because he did not have enough grace for himself to continue to follow Jesus. And honestly, I think that's where most Christians live. God has more grace for you than you even have for yourself. And it is uncomfortable to make that exchange. It's re it really is. And so we need to grow in grace. Now, let's stop right here because this is so fascinating to me. When I was preparing this in Panera with my monthly subscription coffee, hallelujah, I raise a hallelujah. God hit me with this. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And's a word that combines two things. So you can't separate. What does that mean? You can't separate growing in grace from growing in the knowledge of Jesus. Let me, let me hit you with this. If you grow in your understanding of grace, you will grow in your knowledge of Jesus. And if you grow in your knowledge of Jesus, you will grow in your knowledge of grace. That's what that means. You can't separate them. But what we often see in church is that we grow in our knowledge of Jesus and somehow we don't grow in grace. So what are we growing in? We're growing in religion. If religion is the fruit of your increased understanding of Jesus, we're not hitting it. Because you can't separate the two. John 1, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the personification of grace. You can't separate the two. And, and when I realized that in Panera, I just, it changed my mood. Because it changes the way that you relate to God. See, so what is this biblical New Testament, New Covenant, God-given, Jesus, grace? There's four things that grace is. 
And uh, we're going to spend actually the next two weeks talking about these four things. I'm probably just going to get to two of them today. But the first is this. And this is so deep. So, man, y'all going to want to write this one down. Grace is amazing because it is an average. That really wasn't deep, was it? Some of y'all had an expectation, like, man, I'm, huh? Grace is amazing because it isn't average. Um, what does it mean that it's not average? It's, it's not normal. It's not common. It's not ordinary. Here's how I know. Because when you give someone grace, they really don't know how to act. They really don't. If you really give someone or extend grace to someone, they don't know how to handle it. It's awkward. And a lot of times what religion does, and we're going to talk about it probably in the next coming weeks, is religion says, you need to know how to handle this. I'm going to give you this grace but you better figure out how to handle it. That's what religion does. But that's not what grace is. Grace just gives. It is amazing. It's not average. Last Sunday afternoon, my son was uh, on a flag football team. And he had a doubleheader. It was like the semifinal game and the final game. And uh, they ended up winning their flag football city league championship, which is pretty cool. Um, because I'm living vicariously through him, but that's besides the point. And so they gave, this is crazy. I don't know if you, I, this might be shocking, but do you know, this is crazy. Do you know they only gave his team, the team that won the championship, championship rings? What are they thinking? Shouldn't everybody get a ring? No. Because if everybody got a ring, that wouldn't be amazing. That would be average. The reason why they got the championship ring is because they did something amazing. Amazing is not average. That's why grace is incredible. Grace is amazing. And you know, if that doesn't make you excited, then you probably haven't experienced grace lately. You probably haven't. Some of you are all like, get to the point. <laughs> this is the point! <laughs> grace is amazing! And I hope you get to feel how I feel because every one of you has had that awkward conversation where you are absolutely stoked about something and the other person just is not feeling the vibe. Like, have you, can you believe it? And they're like, mm-hmm, yeah. No, you, you don't understand. What do I need to do for you to get it? Grace is amazing. You know who knew Grace was amazing? A guy named John Newton. John Newton knew Grace was amazing. Anybody know who John Newton is? Let me give you a history lesson. John Newton lived in the 18th century. If I'm in the wrong century, who cares? Give me grace. John Newton was in the 18th century. He was in England, and he was a slave captain. He was the captain of a slave ship. Had a radical 
encounter with Jesus Christ and went from a slave captain to an abolitionist. And he spent the rest of his life seeking to end slavery in England. And he, at the end of his life, he actually, right before he died, he actually saw the abolishment of slavery in England. But to, to verbalize how amazing grace was, he wrote Amazing Grace. That's the guy who wrote it. And he knew it was amazing. Listen to some of the lyrics. I love this. He said, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Can I tell you something? Nobody told him that. He knew it. He didn't need someone to tell him that. That was, man, I hope you guys get it. When you experience God's grace, when you experience God's grace, you will come to that conclusion about yourself. You won't need anybody to tell you about it. Because grace is that good. You don't need anybody to tell you. You've done this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. You experience the kindness of God and you will come to the conclusion that you were wretched because you never deserve it. He said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. Grace is amazing. It's amazing. God, that speaks so much to the fact that you can't do anything but receive God's grace. So what is this amazing grace? A well-known pastor, I honestly don't even know his name, but I had heard this story. He gave an illustration because he was teaching his congregation about what grace was. And he said, grace is like this. Grace is like you're in a boat, and, uh, and you're in this boat, and you have a current that is working against you. This current is pulling you backwards, and it's pulling you into hell. And there's nothing you can do to work against the current. So this is what you do. You just, you're there, and then God miraculously gives you oars. And then he gives you those oars, and, and you start to, to row. And as long, I don't even know which way I'm going. Some of y'all do this with the oars. Using the wrong way. He gives you oars. And, and this is the amazing thing. He says, as long as you keep on rowing against that current, you're going to make it to heaven. And he said, grace is the divine enablement to keep on rowing. Now, that sounds good, but that's not grace. Grace is not about, grace is, whoo, this will blow a religious spirit mind. Grace is not about what you do with it. And that hurts. Because we want to measure everybody according to what they do with grace. As I started to think about his analogy, matter of fact, he pulled 100 pastors. He said, 
he, he asked him, he said, what is grace to you? 80% of them said it's the unmerited favor of God. 20% of them, or 10% of them said it is the divine enablement to live righteously, to live rightly before God. And he started, he used that as a point to say, this is why the church has missed it. The church has missed it because grace is the divine enablement. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, isn't it the divine enablement to live righteously? And, and the other 80% that took that poll, isn't it the unmerited favor of God? It's both, but I think this is where the pastor got it wrong. The pastor's question was, what is grace, not what does grace do? Grace does empower you to live rightly. But that's not what grace is. There is an is about grace before there is a does with the grace. And if we are going to be the church that best represents Jesus Christ, then we need to know what grace is. And some of you are like, oh, I don't like this because I want you to get to what you should do with grace. Stupid. You're not using grace. It is something before it does something. So what is grace? This is the definition. Grace is the God-given gift of unmerited, undeserved, and unearned kindness and favor of God to you. Unmerited, undeserved, unearned, kindness and favor of God to you. This is what we need to say. Let's read this together. Grace is the God-given gift of unmerited, undeserved, and unearned kindness and favor of God. Stop. You need to say this next part. To me. Because it's easier to have that for someone else than you. It is the unmerited, undeserved, and unearned kindness and favor of God to me. That's what grace is. That's what grace is. The interesting thing about this is this is a gift that is given through Jesus from the Father to you. How many of you have ever uh, heard the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know? That's what grace is. Grace is the favor that you get because of who you know. Let me give you an example. Um, uh, for, I don't know if all of you know, but I know Pastor Dwight. And uh, I think this was early in Allison and I's marriage. Maybe it was prior to us getting married. But Pastor Dwight knew somebody. You know, everybody's got that somebody. And this somebody had um, Cavs Lakers tickets. And he contacted Pastor Dwight. And he said, I can't. I got these tickets, and I can't go to the game, and I wanted to know if, uh, if you wanted to go. So Pastor Dwight is like, absolutely. 
So the guy not only gives him tickets to a Cavs-Lakers game. Now, this is, this is not um, Cavs without LeBron. <laughs> this is Cavs with LeBron. Cavs and Lakers, and this was when Kobe was on the Lakers. This was when Kobe was playing. And so I'll never forget this. Pastor White gets these tickets. He not only gets the tickets, but that guy says, here's a parking pass. So he gets to go to the game. As long as he drives to the game, he gets to go to the game without any cost. But here's the better part. He didn't just get one ticket, he got three tickets. And because I know Dwight, guess who got the hookup? This guy, along with my brother-in-law. Now we, we're driving, we have no idea like where we're gonna be in the arena because uh, <laughs> we're not bougie, so we're usually in the, 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 uh, the nosebleed section. Because, you know, here's the thing. Nobody gives sweet tickets away. Unless you're Donnie and Amy. Um, I'd like some favor this year with the Buckeyes. But anyways, sowing a seed. Nobody gives awesome tickets away. You get the nosebleed stuff, and it's like, hey, did you like the game? And you're like, no. I would have actually enjoyed it at home because I could actually see the players without a telescope. <laughs> Who's that? And so we go to the game, but on the way, Dwight gave me the ticket. So I open up the envelope, because I'm nosy. And every one of the tickets says $495 on it. Whoa. Those aren't the nosebleed seats. Matter of fact, I'm like, Dwight, let's just like get the game on our phones and let's make a quick 1500 and then head back home. You know what I mean? Split it three ways. Let's go. I'll give you 20%. So we get to the game and we go in and we get to an usher. And the usher's like, this is where we are. Like, this is where we think we are. Back here. So we get to the usher up at the top because. We're not worthy to be lower. And he's like, no, your tickets are lower. So we get to the next usher. No, your, your tickets are lower. So we get to the next usher. No, your tickets, your tickets are lower. And you start to feel stupid. Like you have, now I'm feeling this pressure like I'm not, I'm not acting like I've been here before. <laughs> get to the next usher. You need to go lower. Get the neck. You need to go. Our seats are behind the Cavs bench. And then on top of that, we get free dinner at halftime. And it's by a chef. So the usher's like, at halftime, you're going to go walk this way. We, we were on TV, y'all. It was a TNT game. It's halftime. I'm walking by the commentator booth, booth and I'm like, hey! <laughs> I call Elsa like, did you see me? I'm right here. And it was all salty because it was a commercial break. But anyways. But we keep on walking. We go back. We go back. We get into this place, and there's this a chef. I mean, it's crazy. There's this whole spread. And we're in, then we're in there with all these people, and I'm like, I bet they make like a hun. 
I make like 20 grand, you know what I mean? <laughs> so now we got got to act like we got grace. Got to act like I've been here. Yes, sir. Yeah, let me get that rotisserie chicken, that sirloin. And we're eating back there like kings, and it's just amazing. Matter of fact, at halftime, I almost high-fived LeBron. He didn't go for it, but, you know, I was like, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. Now I'm going to come back after the meal. I'm going to leave it there. Hey, when he comes back. Because, you know, like, we were in high school together, so he knows me. But you know what's amazing? The only reason why I was there is because I knew somebody that knew somebody. That's grace. Grace is God's gift to you because you know Jesus. And you end up showing up in environments that you don't deserve, favor, kindness, goodness. Let's, let's stop right here and acknowledge this. This blew my mind. How much of us, how many of us read the fruits of the Spirit and we're like, this is where I'm not good. I'm not good here and here and here and here. And I look at the fruits of the Spirit and I get mad and here and here and here. Maybe the one I don't understand. I got that one. But you read the fruits of the Holy Spirit as a measuring rod of where you don't measure up without understanding what does it go on to say at the end. But against such things there is no law, which means there is no limit. That are, those are the fruits of the Holy Spirit, are they not? So that means they are the fruits of the Holy Spirit towards you too. So the Holy Spirit has peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and he has no limit on it towards you. You ain't ever read that that way, have you? That's grace. This is the grace of God. So what is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Merit is the quality of being good. Being good enough. That's what merit is. Merit is the quality of being good. And Jesus said no one is good but God, Debbie Close, like I'm saying, you're right, right on. Merit, merit is the quality of being good enough. Jesus said no one is good but God. So listen to me because I want you to get this. So God is the only one who merits acceptance by himself. Because he's the only one that merits acceptance by himself. So what he does is he, do, he does what he, only he can do to make us acceptable to him because we can never be good enough. That's what grace is. It's unmerited. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 8 and 9. There's three, I'm going to read this in three different trans translations. It's going to get better and better and then we're going to close. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by, say it, grace, grace you have been saved through faith. Faith is the one action that saves you. Faith is the one action that saves you. 
For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. How do you access the grace of God? Faith. Faith is the one action that saves you. Let that sink in. Religion doesn't like that. But uh, as Pastor Rick and I were talking about, did not Jesus on the cross look to the man that had no time to practice sanctification? No time. Jesus wasn't on the cross and was like, before I die, here's ten commandments. Make sure you follow them before you do. Faith is the one action that saves you. The man had no time to walk out sanctification. No time to show that, that his salvation was genuine. All he had was a moment next to Jesus. And he was saved. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Through faith. Faith is the one. That's why we will see people with deathbed confessions in heaven. We will see it. We will see it. And you know what? They will be celebrating the grace of God probably more than every person that got saved at 20 and hated their relationship with God for the next 80 years because they were trying so hard to earn God's favor. Some of us might get mad in heaven, like, whew, you're here? How did you get here? The same way you did. Grace levels the playing field. For it is by grace that you have been saved through, through faith. And that, that's a big word right there. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that nobody will boast. Now, we need to stop right here. Grace is what saves you, yes or no? Yes? Some of you are like, yes? Like a guess? Grace is what saves you. You receive that saving grace through faith, yes or no? Okay. Now, watch this. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. And notice there's like a semicolon there. It's another, it's a clause. Grace, you've been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one may, may boast. We need to know what that, that is. Is that that? Grace? I got hops. Actually, I used to be able to grab the rim. White man could jump. <laughs> could. <laughs> hey, because you know Hollywood has no new scripts. It's coming out in 2023 with Woody Harrelson again. White man could jump too. For it is by grace. Is that not of yourselves grace? Or is that not of yourselves faith? Or is it the whole phrase? 
It's the whole thing. And for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and that, the whole phrase, is not of yourselves. Why? Because if it was by your faith accessing grace, then you would applaud yourself for doing something to be saved. And this shows up in testimonies everywhere. You know when I got saved. You know when I found Jesus. How'd that happen? How did you find Jesus? How did you get saved? As if you did anything. Because this is why grace is so amazing. God could have had this absolute righteous man I'm preaching so good right now to myself. God could have had a righteous standard, never told you about it. You would have died and you would have went to hell. But he didn't do that. He said this, I love you so much that the Holy Spirit, before you are even a believer, I'm going to toss a seed of faith into your heart. Because what does Hebrews 12 2 say? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the what? The author and finisher of your faith. So you didn't have faith. The Holy Spirit gave you faith. The Holy Spirit gave you the faith to receive the grace. <laughs> Are you kidding me? This is grace. And grace is so good. When you get an understanding of grace, when you grow in the understanding of grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you cannot help but look at your life and realize the only reason why you are where you are, you've done what you've done, you've been able to excel in what you excel in, achieve what you achieve, is because of grace. You can't believe in Jesus on your own. He gives you the faith to believe. That's why there was a man who came to Jesus and he said, help me with my unbelief. <laughs> he was like, I don't even have the faith. What is it? What? I can't even, where's it at? And Jesus was like, I'll give it to you so you can access the grace that I have for you. From the beginning to the end, it's all Jesus. That's grace. So that nobody can boast. Because this is where we like to live. We like to live as if we think we've done something. This is, where, this is the point to which we judge everybody. Well, if they were saved, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. How many books in Lifeway are works-based? I'm sorry. Everything in my life is grace. This will really get you to enjoy God because you will realize that if you can't be like Jesus, he's got you because he has a grace to empower you to do that. But you receive it. Jesus illustrates the kingdom of God in three different ways. Parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the prodigal son. And every one of them, God is the pursuer. Why? 
because we don't get saved. It is unmerited. When you grow in your understanding of grace, you will begin to realize that there is no other fitting answer for how God, good your life is other than God's grace. When we get to every, heaven, everyone will know why they are where they are. And it's because of grace. Ephesians 2, listen to this. Ephesians 2 verse 7 says this. This is right before 8. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. Everything you think is significant as a spiritual trophy, you won't be walking around with in heaven. You won't be, Rachel, you won't like be able to walk, <laughs> you'll be able to walk around in heaven and be like, Peter, come here. This is my list of accomplishments. When I was on the earth, I fasted 18 days. And then I went on this one trip. There was a homeless guy on the side of the street. I gave him 20 bucks. How amazing am I? <laughs> we'll all know why, we're, why we are there. Paul said, I've got it all, but I compare I, it is what? It is nothing compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. So beautiful. Grace is unmerited. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 in the Amplified Version. Man, I got to close. I'm, I'm getting there. I, I see it. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ. That's a different current. That's why the pastor got it wrong. He said, the, he said that the current of life was pulling you backwards. Ephesians 2 says the current of life is pulling you to Jesus. That's a different current. God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to, uh, to Christ. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor drawing you to Christ, that you've been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God, not as the result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law. Because that's what we do. We get saved, then we go into the uh, foundations class. And we're like, now that you receive this free gift, here is all the rules. Good luck. I'll be here to pray for you. Not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God, not by your attempts to keep the law, so that no one will be able, able, which means from now on, in your future, so that nobody can boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. Here's the last time. Message translation. Now, God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world, some of y'all need to practice grace because you're like, the message translation is a paraphrase. <laughs> With all the time in the world, and next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus, saving is all his idea, all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. 
No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. Man, that is good. Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, for you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, he's like, yoke yourself to me because I'm stronger than your will to do this thing. I'll carry the load. The message translation in that same thing says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Love that. It is by grace and grace alone that we are saved and we are made. Eighth grade, I go on a winter camp trip, and I honestly had forgotten. Actually, if you've ever had an encounter with God, you always have people that want to interview you afterwards as if you know really what happened. (laughs) So what were you feeling? It did not dawn on on me until this week what the word, the the verbalization of what happened in my eighth grade experience with Jesus. It was grace. I'm I'm eighth grade, nothing special. I'm in eighth grade with a mustache. (laughs) Somebody should have told somebody. I didn't hear it. So I go on this trip. I go on this trip. I'm there the Friday, I'm there on a Friday night. The message is being preached. My heart starts pumping. Starts beating. I didn't feel like I was a wretched sinner. I just felt like I need to go up to that. But I was scared. Didn't want to go up. Didn't want to respond. So Pastor Dwight actually happens to be my eighth grade basketball coach at the time. Comes up to me and he says, I really feel like you should go up there. And I'm like, crap. <laughs> it's true. So a friend of mine says, hey, I'll go up with you. Go up to the front. It's just amazing. Get up to the front. The guy that's praying for me, I have no idea who he is. And he said, he pulls out money. And he says, I want you to take this. And it wasn't until this week that I discovered why that overwhelmed me so much. It was grace being demonstrated. Because I remember in eighth grade wanting to know why he wanted to give that to me. Why? Why did you want to give that to me? And he said, I want you to just have it. And I said, no, why? Because in my head, I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. You don't owe me anything. Why would you just give? And he said, in the same way that I'm giving you this is the same exact way that God extends his love to you as a gift. And he started to pray for me, and I promise you, I melted. Dee Dee was probably there. I was weeping uncontrollably, 
ended up crying almost all night long because I could not fathom why the God of the universe thought I was special enough to show up on a Friday night out of everybody and say, I want you to know my love. That's grace. And it didn't dawn on me until this week that what I experienced was the grace of God. You know when David says, restore, restore to me the joy of my salvation, what he is asking is a restoration of grace. Because when you understand God's grace, you will be so full of joy. So full of joy. And this week, man, things that, things that I would have just lost it on have just been like right off the shoulder. You know who doesn't give grace? People that don't have a revelation of it. It levels the playing field. Grace is unmerited. Will you stand with me? How many of you, if you're honest, you have found yourself falling into or going back to a works-based connection to God? Anybody? Thank you. Can you slip your hand up one more time? Okay, look, let's do this. As long as you're comfortable, will you surround these people that got their hands raised? And I'm gonna pray the grace of God to be poured out. It is not by works. As long as you're comfortable. No matter where you are, if you just wanna stretch your hands to somebody that's close. Not by works so that no man may boast. It is the gift of God. I just declare this over everybody that has raised their hand. There is nothing you could do. There is nothing you can do. And there is nothing that you will ever do to merit, deserve, or earn God's grace. For if it was, it wouldn't be grace. Jesus, I pray right now for a fresh revelation of the grace of God towards every person with their hands lifted. Jesus, I pray right now, right now, for an impartation of grace, of grace. It is there, it is present. I just say this, grace is your portion Grace is your inheritance, and you get your inheritance not when you die. You get your inheritance now. You get grace now, in Jesus' name.
And it's not a, it is not a dose of grace. It is continual grace. It is grace upon grace, grace that is overflowing. So right now, Lord, I pray for an impartation of grace, a revelation of grace. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's unmerited. And it is the goodness of God towards you. In Jesus' name. And right now, Lord, I pray when we have fallen short of our own standards, there would be a flood of the grace, grace of God, of the kindness and the favor of God to us in the moments where we don't measure up. When we think we've missed it. Hmm. When we think God is looking at us saying, not again. When we think God is saying, when are you going to learn? God is not angry because he has poured out wrath on his son so that he can pour out grace and mercy on us. It is by grace that we are saved. It's by grace that we will be saved. And it is by grace that we will be preserved at the end of our life as we pass from this one into the next. The grace of God will be there every single day. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.